Alright, this is probably one of the most gruesome sights I've seen yet. I don't even... I can't even begin to picture what exactly has happened here. Man, this is a... This guy's a mess. This is mangled. Okay. okay. So, I mean, obviously, look, his bleeding from the head. Obviously. Yeah. Okay, let, I got my gloves on. See that massive hole in the back of the skull? Normally, you don't find those here. But do you... What's that smell? Smells like uh, bitter, bitter almonds. almonds. Cyanide, clearly. Okay. Okay. Well, so okay. we're looking at a mur. But why would you? Okay, but wait, why wait, would wait, you wait, cover wait, up wait, a murder wait, 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 with wait. a murder, though? Wait, hold I on. I don't get that part. What's up with these roller skates? He is wearing roller skates. You know, his head's turned in a weird angle. His neck is snapped. Oh, okay. Wait. Okay. So there might be. Okay. I'm. I'm not ruling out foul play here, but. Maybe the guy slipped and then somebody came by and said, well, I don't want anybody to think that he had an accident. I wanted to think he was murdered. I don't know. There's something weird going on here. But there's also a giant chainsaw in his chest. I see, like, multiple chainsaws around. He was juggling chainsaws, wasn't he? Oh He's my clearly God. juggling chainsaws. You know, I think that this is a job for the coroner. <laughs> Feeling it. Let's do it. Moose crossings, red hot dogs, missing persons in salty bugs, up to camp with Stephen King, river curses, Wesley sings, homegrown horror! Hello! Welcome to Main Spooky Podcast about Main Spooky Things. True Crime Horror. I am Jackson, a co-host. I am B, a co-host. And it's been a week. I went to sunny little Miami, Florida. Little Miami? Is little Miami, Miami little? No, it's very big. There's a lot of Miami. <laughs> Miami, Amy, Amy. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was work specific. Um, it was really funny. I've never been anywhere where I felt old. Did you feel old? I did feel old. I felt really old walking around <laughs> Miami. I was like, <laughs> I. <laughs> There's no one above the age of 30 in Miami. <laughs> it really felt that way. Like, I guess it was spring break. And. Uh, oh, yeah. So, you know what? So yes. it's just like a bunch of like 22 year olds, 21 year olds walking around. Streets are packed. I really stand out with my. Uh, tired eyes <laughs> and wrinkles uh so was, yeah i felt a little old your tired eyes my tired eyes your wrinkles my graying your, hair your fun dad my dead shark shirt. eyes <laughs> i was gonna say your dad shirts my dad shirts yeah yeah no i had the vibe i thought i was hitting the vibe but uh I've never felt um, more defeated. Anyway, oh, no. Miami was great. Well, welcome back to Maine. It's better here. <laughs> Everyone's as sad as I am, am. here. <laughs> well, yeah, because we're also in the dead of winter still. That's oh, we're great. just coming out of the I swing know, Today of is actually, it's, it's very bright. <laughs> it is bright. But, you know, I also left my house for the first time in like three weeks. Ooh, <laughs> to this check week. your shadow? <laughs> Yes, uh, I don't. I I replaced Puxatani Phil. <laughs> <laughs> he called in sick this year. Oh wait, no, yeah, there was that one groundhog that, that died. died. <laughs> you took his place. It's like, all right. Yeah, I went up to Canada. <laughs> I will play the role. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice to leave my house. It was for a doctor's appointment, but. <laughs> 
and then we went to a potluck. Not really a vacation. So, you know, <laughs> no, not a vacation, but we did a potluck, which was nice to see some people. And I had some really good lasagna. Solid lasagna. So I'm like, I love it when people cook for me. There you go, man. <laughs> but yeah. Did you bring anything into the potluck? We went to the European bakery in Falmouth and got cupcakes. Nice. And Allegra bought me a cannoli. And it Ooh. was... I've decided that I could eat just potatoes and cannolis and I would be happy. And Allegra said, yes, like the good Irish-Italian girl you are. <laughs> <laughs> My ancestors would be so happy that they survived the, um, the famine just so that I could eat potatoes every day in the year of our Lord 2023. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> my fam, my answer sister would just be happy that someone isn't farming potatoes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but I think this week has been pretty chill, all things considered. Unlike th- this week's story, which has no fucking chill. No chill whatsoever. <laughs> this story has no chill whatsoever. It is a oldie timey. So, like I said, this is my season of old timey. Oh my goodness, we are and just. This is another one that I pulled. Uh, I really got to break the mold next episode. <laughs> oh, I I will eventually. <laughs> I pulled this from my physical copy of Strange Maine by Michelle Solier. That's where I got the first like some of the information, but I also thank you, Michelle. Michelle, I also went onto the blog because there was a lot of conversation back and forth. Um, between people in comments because of this story is like absolutely crazy and it was first posted by a um relative like a long a, a distanced relative of the person committing the murder okay. <laughs> in this instance and little, i also found a uh, historical reflection on their yeah, part i also found the court documents Ooh. which was i actually found it uh there was a a I think it was like a library in New Hampshire had them had it for free, which was amazing because there were sites that were charging for it. Really? Okay. <laughs> so that was very good on my part. I did not. I told you I did not read all of it. Luckily, like I we did have the, the internet and everything is free yes, there if you work I, hard enough. I read this. Like I read all of the Sarah Cherry court documents. I did not read through the entire court document of this because it was aged. Aged? Yeah, okay. And the language was aged and the pages were aged. <laughs> Did they still have like uh, the little, what, what What year are we in again? So we are in 1847. 1847. I, I felt like by 1847 they would move away from like kind of long-winded sentences. No. But no, they're just like going for it, huh? Nope. And so today I bring you a tangled web of one financially ambitious man that would inevitably be unable to pay the debts that he accrued, including to the devil himself. <laughs> so we got some so, occult stuff? Is that no, what I'm hearing? No. No? Okay. <laughs> no, but uh, he, he's got some big bills to pay is okay. what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So he's like, he might as well have a soul contract with... He might as fucking... Dark Lord Satan. <laughs> oh, yes. So... In the early morning of October 1st, 1847, mm. the body of Edward Matthews was found in the basement of David Shorey's clothing store in the center of Waterville, Maine. 
Also, this is this is also considered to be the first murder case in Waterville. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, that is not a spoiler. Like, it was super evident to everybody that saw this body that this man was murdered. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no doubt about it. Nope. He's not sleeping. He doesn't have his sunglasses on and he's slumped over in a chair. This man is Weekend dead, Weekend at Bernie's. Dead, dead. He is dead. <laughs> his remains were cold and propped by a pile of wood and his clothing was in a disarray. Not long after the body was found, doctors Plainstead, Thayer, Coolidge, and medical student Thomas Flint presided over the autopsy at the nearby Williams House, which is a boarding house. Dr. Coolidge was at the helm, making most of the incisions during the course of the procedure, and he's the one with his hands in the body, basically. It appeared initially that the man had died via a mortal wound to the head, his skull had a three inch by two inch fracture. So they're like, this is what killed him. Yeah. Absolutely. Once Matthew's stomach was removed. straight. Oh, look at that. There's a big hole in his head. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's a little. That's a little. That's not supposed to be there. No. Are you sure that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be? Are you sure? They removed Matthew's stomach. And Strange Maine noted that, quote, Dr. Thayer observed it smelled strongly of brandy. At this point, Dr. Coolidge suggested that Cyrus Williams, the man who owned the Williams house, take the basin out of the room to prevent the odor from becoming too strong. Instead of disposing it, uh, disposing of it, Williams hid the basin out of the way, later transferring it to a locked ice house until the contents were called for on the next afternoon. A professor came to look at the stomach. He was going to, and go through some of the other things. He, I, I don't know if he's just like a second opinion or if maybe he's more of a specialist. <laughs> yep. It's definitely this hole. <laughs> <laughs> but surprisingly, the contents of the stomach were more than just brandy. It also contained prussic acid which is more commonly known as cyanide. Ooh, that's not good for you. No, it's really not good for you. Obviously, it's fatal to humans, so Pref Professor Loomis called for a second autopsy, as this was incongruous with the findings of the autopsy from the morning of the first. Because... I still think it's the hole, but this definitely <laughs> didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> the second procedure was handled by Professor Loomis and then Dr. Thayer, Boutel, and Noyes. This time, they discovered that Matthews's other organs had turned a bluish hue, which is in line with cyanide poisoning, and Dr. Noyes was able to detect the aroma of bitter almonds in the brain and stomach, which, fun fact. Bitter almonds? What, what a specific smell. I've never smelled bitter almonds. So, fun fact, 20 to 40% of the population cannot detect the smell of cyanide. Wow. Amazing. This has actually happened in a couple other murder cases. There's, I cannot remember it for the life of me, but there was a woman working, there was a nurse working at the hospital and she was like, uh, yeah, you guys don't smell that. And they're like, no. And she's no. like bitter almonds. And so that's how they figured out it was cyanide poisoning wow. because wow. nobody, everyone was like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. It, it's, 
Yeah, so it's very interesting because it it doesn't that doesn't seem like a lot of people. So that means like eighty to sixty percent can smell it. So it'd be amazing but, to have like seven people in a room and them all not being able to smell it. That's just like bad luck. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you, maybe they should like screen for that for uh, some detectives. Like every once in a while, they gotta yeah. make sure that whoever they hire can smell cyanide. At least one person least on one, the on the forest can you know, smell cyanide. It's like so you could have them swing by. It's like, does it smell like almonds in here? Because oh, that's all right. that's <laughs> a, a a big tip off, right? That like okay, something like so nobody else in that autopsy, like all they smelled was brandy. The stomach smelled like this. The second doctor in the autopsy was like, yeah, no. I smell that. I smell nasty nuts. <laughs> nasty, nasty nuts. With the results of the second autopsy, rumors began to fly. We knew this was a murder, but it looked like somebody may have tried to cover it up Ooh. in some Ooh. way. Later, Thomas Flint, the medical student that helped with the first autopsy. I now believe the hole was administered after the cyanide. Exactly. <laughs> he would confess that he had been asked by his supervisor, Dr. Valerius P. Coolidge, to help him dispose of Edwards Matthews' body on the night of September 30th. I think we got him. <laughs> Flint lived in the Williams house, the same boarding house where the autopsy took place, and that night before heading to bed, he was approached by Coolidge, who asked him to accompany him to the physician's office next door. That's where Flint had come face to face with Williams' remains for the first time. Coolidge had claimed that, quote, that cursed little Ed Matthews came in here and went to take a glass of brandy and fell down dead. He now lies in the other room. I thumped him on the head to make people believe he was murdered. <laughs> it's a very weird take there, Mr. Valley. <laughs> like. Okay. I, mm -hmm. That's really weird. Mm-hmm. That logic doesn't make any fucking sense either. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> We're on the same page. I'm confused. <laughs> and yeah, that's like that. He was. Okay. <laughs> also, you're a doctor. Like, yeah. I feel like there's a procedure for this. Right. <laughs> Obviously not able to question the man that A, held Flint's career in his hands, and B, was most likely a murderer, Flint helped Coolidge move the body <laughs> and also kept his secret during the initial coroner's inquest. So the two of them are working what on this body. Fuck? And, he, like, Thomas is just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Holy oh my shit, God. holy shit, holy shit, he's going to kill me. <laughs> and, uh, like... Obviously, there's a conflict of interest here because the man that probably murdered William, uh, not Williams, uh, Matthews was doing um, the autopsy. Imagine the weird conversation they're having on the table, though. Just like, hmm, you know, I bet that killer would be miles away from here. By now. Wouldn't he? <laughs> Just staring across the table. Wouldn't he now, Thomas? Yes, I think so, Mr. Coolidge, Dr. Coolidge. I, I agree. I definitely agree. <laughs> Most likely, Coolidge was hoping that Cyrus Williams would dispose of the stomach as he had requested, and the presence of the cyanide would not be detected. So, Williams did a great thing here because he was like, mm, I don't think I should throw this out. Yeah. This smart. whole stomach. Smart. So, that, yeah, that he that tried also, to. That yeah. does make sense then why it was previously requested that this be removed. Because I was thinking. 
that seems like a bad idea, bad call. So I'm glad that this other guy worked on his own intuition. Mm-hmm. So why the hell would this doctor up and murder a man in cold blood? Well, Dr. VP was a young up-and-coming doctor that had taken over the practice of a prolific Waterville doctor named Joseph Potter, who he had trained with. The town had taken a liking to him, and many people respected him and his work. But what they didn't know is that Coolidge left a long trail of loans, (laughs) and he was living on borrowed wealth and borrowed time. (laughs) (laughs) It was clear, it's not clear if Matthews, so some people said that he was his lender, some said he was a friend or a patient, not clear how these two know each other, but he had apparently made arrangements to provide a sum of cash to the financially and morally bereft doctor. Mm. According to an employee at the Taconic Bank, Augustine Perkins, Matthews had picked up uh, $1,500 in cash, which is just over 59 k in today's dollars, that afternoon, and he had later told his cousin, Charles K. Matthews, that he was heading to Dr. Coolidge's office around 8 p.m. to give him the money, and that was the last time anyone saw Matthews alive. According to further research on Strange Main's blog, Coolidge supposedly gave Flint my, uh, money prior to the inquest because if he had been investigated, they would surely find that his pocketbook contained too much money. <laughs> the blog Strange Company, no relation to Strange Main, noted that... <laughs> this guy's definitely poor. <laughs> <laughs> noted that Matthew's... shoes. <laughs> yes. Noted that Matthew's watch was also found hidden in Coolidge's belongings, which led to further suspicions to fall on Dr. Coolidge, and he was later indicted on October 7th, 1847, with four counts. Per the court documents, the method of the crime was still subject of speculation, so the counts were thus, quote, first for the murder of Matthews by striking him on the head with a stick of wood, second, third, and fourth for committing murder by administering prussic acid to Matthews and a glass of brandy from the effects of which poison he died. The last three counts of the indictment are charged murder by poison with prussic acid in different forms. So he got charged with two methods of murder. Technically four. Four. Because they weren't sure how he administered the prussic acid. So they just like covered the bases and like, ah, just throw them all in there. Yeah, because they're not sure how he died he may you know we don't know obviously he was administered both a blow to the head and prussic acid but what came first the chicken or the egg (laughs) (laughs) we are not sure a jury trial began on march 14th 1848 and of course valorous p coolidge was like i am not guilty i am an innocent man I didn't do it. (laughs) I did not do it. Multiple witnesses were called, including Professor Loomis and David Shorey, those who loaned money to Coolidge in the past, as well as an apothecary who executed an order for Dr. Coolidge, which included, quote, one ounce of hydrocyanic acid as strong as it can be, unquote. (laughs) (laughs) According to what? Is there like a law? <laughs> as strong as, as it, it can, can be. be. 
Okay, and just, just this and general. and this isn't that's not just a hearsay. Um, there was a letter signed by VP Coolidge with these exact words that was presented <laughs> as evidence. Give me murder supplies for my murder, <laughs> love VP. <laughs> so I feel like that's that is probably why he hit him on the head and then tried to hide the stomach yeah. because then. If they did find the letter that had him ordering the cyanide, they'd be like, oh, it was probably for something. Like, there's no cyanide in this case. It was really stupid of me to write that in a letter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, don't worry. Put a pin in that. (laughs) Um, With mounting evidence... It's terrifying this man is a doctor. (laughs) With the mounting evidence, on March 22nd, Dr. Valerius P. Coolidge was found guilty of murder and was in the first degree and was sentenced to execution by hanging. Now They we, really sure we, love hanging in the we, 1847. Correct. And we know some fun stuff. We know a little bit of fun stuff about Maine and the death penalty. But per, uh, per Michelle Solier in the Strange Maine book, quote, Maine law at the time required death row prisoners to remain incarcerated for one year before their sentence was carried out in case any evidence emerged that suggested or proved their innocence, unquote. Interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Talked about that. He would later appeal to Governor John W. Dana for a pardon, which failed. How- it wasn't me. However, his sentence was commuted from a death sentence to life imprisonment, tasked with hard labor and solitary confinement. And from what I could tell, the labor was not very hard, and also the confinement was not very solitary. <laughs> because the warden was just sort of like, oh, yeah, you're a good guy. Well, let's just, just come out in the yard. Oh, you poor doctor man. <laughs> yeah, just come out in the yard. You'll be fine. But all of that time alone gave Valorous plenty of time to plot his next move. Wow. It's going for five kills. Around 1849... Or one kill turned into five murders. Yep. It was discovered that he planned the murder of Thomas Flint, who had spilled the beans on his efforts to hide the body and additional evidence. From all accounts, this was a very messy affair that included recruiting an accomplice who would befriend Flint and would then murder him by way of cyanide poisoning and plant a forged suicide quote unquote note that would surely convince the authorities that Flint took his own life out of remorse for betraying the innocent Dr. Valorous P. Coolidge and resigning him to a torturous life in prison. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This guy is amazing. I love him. Extensive letters what found a, there. What an absolute maniac. <laughs> yep. Extensive letters found their way into the hands of the warden of the main state prison in Thomaston, where this, he was being this held. This guy's got to be arrogant as hell. Yeah, just letter, like so many letters. Just like, ego, nice and tidy. How about just don't say shit, man? <laughs> His plot was publicly announced and the consequences were surely on the way. He became... Uh, national interest. Yeah. Dumbass doctor keeps trying to murder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can't stop writing. He was very upset by this. <laughs> so he visited the prison doctor. My heart needs to be expressed on paper. <laughs> he visited the doctor as he felt unwell and low spirited. Oh my god, this guy is arrogant. And he he was like, I just, I don't, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm too weak. So the next morning, 
they found him with his head in a bucket. Oh. And dead from cyanide poisoning. Oh, he got a little, little more uh, extra strong, please. Mm-hmm. Oh, so boy. somebody oh, smuggled it into him. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he took his own life. Did he kill himself or did someone kill him? Well, his brother came to fetch his brother's body or Valorous's body from prison, and it, it was very, it was a very sad time for the Coolidge family. And upon its arrival, big sads. Yeah, Valorous's father looked upon the dead body of his son. That's not my son. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is this? Did nobody? How did nobody know? So he was like. It's really interesting because he's not like, it doesn't look like it. He's like, no, this body is too big. And also, Valorous had lost part of his thumb during childhood and both of this, this body had both thumbs intact. <laughs> also, he, was, he had brown hair. This is a blonde dude. <laughs> so, like, speculation just raged. Was Dr. Coolidge really dead? And if not... Who was? <laughs> what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> who who is this? And there, you know, there was a lot, a, a oh lot gosh. of speculation. But Strange Maine also notes that in uh, December 1849, Western Literary Magazine's uh, December issue had this in it from Short Bar, California, September 3rd, 30 miles from Coloma. Yesterday morning, there came up three strangers from Sacramento City, one of whom I recognized as the notorious Dr. Valorous P. Coolidge, formerly of Waterville, Maine, the alleged murderer of Ed Matthews. He was handing out poetry books. Could I be mistaken? How came he here? Has he escaped hanging? I knew Coolidge well at Waterville, and if this is not him, I never saw the man. But it had grown out, uh, his beard was very thin and scattered over his thin, narrow face, but it had grown out two or three inches in length. He passed here by the name of Wilkins. His eye, I could not mistake. He appeared well, but in no other way altered, save that he was meanly dressed and looked a little harder than usual. I told my belief to W, and the next morning Coolidge was gone. Where has he wandered? I cannot guess, but I feel sure that it was him. If you ever write, tell me what you uh, what this can mean, or am I deceived? Okay. So <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. That's a fucking thing. So you can go see his grave, but a lot of, uh, is he in there? We don't know. The other thing is Valorous is. Crimes were later immortalized in the form of a ballad, supposedly by someone by the name of O. Drake. But this was going around while he was in jail. And you're supposed to sing it. I'm not singing it to you. But it's supposed to be sung to the standard tune of Mary's Dream. It was also later published in all of Wooly Burt's American Murder Ballads and Their Stories, which was published in 1958. And I went to go look because Strange Maine had noted, like, you know, this isn't the full thing that they have here. But the book is $585 on Amazon. <laughs> oh, my God. That's too much. How? Like, I guess it's a very short printing. Yeah, this. I think it's very rare out of print. So um, there's some First speculation. Edition? I believe there's some speculation that maybe he wrote this. <laughs> 
I w- not you know, sure. for the amount of shit he was just writing, I would not put him put it past him to just write a poem about himself. Yep. And so I am going to read to you from Strange Maine, The Waterville Tragedy or The Death of Edward Matthews by Valerius P. Dr. Valerius P. Coolidge. Indulgent friends and strangers too, a thrilling tale I'll tell to you. Twill grieve your hearts the thing to hear, and many an eye will drop a tear. A mournful tragedy of late, a young man's life did terminate. The murderer's hand that has laid him low, which makes our hearts with grief or flow. Poor Edward Matthews, where is he? Sent headlong to eternity. The moral debt by him is paid, and in his narrow bed is laid. No more will anguish seize his soul. No more will poison fill his bowl. No more will friendship clutch his throat, or o'er his mangled body gloat. Oh, VP Coolidge, how could you so black a deed of murder do? You, on your honor, did pretend to be his dearest earthly friend. For weeks and months you laid your plan to kill your friend and fellow man you thought the thing to safely do to take his life both his life and money too you knew to brighton he had gone and watched each hour for his return for the pay to cattle which he drove you swore within your heart to have number one why is he stealing his cattle yeah that's not how this story goes (laughs) but anyway you failed in that, but did succeed by promising a mortgage deed of everything here of everything you here possessed so that he could in safety rest. The money from the bank he drew with broth and broth with faithfulness to you. Not dreaming of your vile intent alone in your office went. You said, dear Matthews, worthy friend, our friendship here shall never end. A glass of brandy you must drink. T'will do you good, I surely think. He drank the liquor you had fixed with prussic acid aptly mixed, then cried, Oh, Lord, what can it be? What poison have you given me? You'd grasped his throat and stopped his breath until your friend lay still in death. Then with a hatchet bruised his head after he was entirely dead. His money you took away and hid his watch in your sleigh, then called for your confederate and All your doings did relate. I have a secret, Flint, you said. And if by you I am betrayed, the state will me for murder try, and on the gallows I must die. That cursed Ed Matthews, don't you think, came here and did some brandy drink. Then instantly he fell down dead, and Ida thump him on the head. Where can we now his body thrust, so that way no one can us mistrust? In yonder room his corpse is laid. I wish a river were its bed." The murder we have done this, we? The murder we have done this night? Sir, do not bring Thomas into this. <laughs> Tomorrow will be brought to light, but my good character and name will shield me from all harm and blame. We dragged his lifeless form away into the cellar there to lay, until someone by chance did see his mangled, bruised, and dead body. The other thing I would like to point out is how, like, I guess this is a time when people just had all their doors unlocked because they just put him in someone else's cellar. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little messed up. They just were like... Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of trust, I guess, in, like, these some smaller communities this time. Yeah. You know? But, oh, 
The deeds of that black night by heaven are brought to noonday light. The horrid deed I can't deny, and on the gallows I must die. Poor unsuspecting murdered friend, my earthly race must shortly end, and I must stand before my God and feel his weighty chastening rod. Oh, Edward Matthews, could you know the scathing pangs I undergo? You surely would look down from heaven and say, let Coolidge be forgiven. I see thy murdered form displayed when night has cast its sable shade. Around my dark and lonesome cell, such whoring feelings none can tell. When sleep the harbinger of rest has spread its mantle o'er my breast, my thoughts will wander back to thee, and I see thee die in agony. O oh, youthful days forever past, I thought the joys would ever last. If I had worlds, them I would give, if I, I once more in this life could live. But all vain the die is cast, the prison walls hold me fast. Till the scaffold I am led to yield the life I have forfeited. Take warning now by me, I pray. Let the right and justice guide your way. May heaven's choice blessings to you flow and save you from a murderer's woe. Wow. He definitely wrote that. <laughs> what a tool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who the fuck O'Drake is. Uh, yeah. I think it might be him. <laughs> this is pretty much like... When OJ did If I Did It, his book. Yeah. This is basically the same thing. Bro, I just... <laughs> and that's the story of Dr. Valerius B. Coolidge and the murder of Edward Matthews. Woo! So what do you think? Do you think that he... I don't know if he was... Maybe he was just very... Charismatic. And that's how he... Like, he... Ha did he convince somebody to die in his place or is his dad just going bonkers? Do we trust his dad that that's not really him? You know, I think that he must have convinced somebody. I mean, the whole thumb situation is it's a little a weird. Giveaway, you know, it's yeah. like that would have been a record that would have been placed within his files, right? It's like, oh, he's got a thumb missing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know how much of his thumb either. Just enough though. It's like, oh, is yeah, that it's noticeable. Yeah, yeah. It's like you could pull that up and say, hey, wait a second. Something's like, not right here. Not missing here. Yeah. That's yeah. a pretty big detail. So it's like, and no, I don't think someone just was like, you know, I'll die. It's like, no, you killed someone. <laughs> this is very self serving in general, this little ballad. It feels, because especially the part where, like, the reason why I think it's, like, it's so obvious to me, and the thing, maybe he didn't write it, I don't know, but, um, Who just the fuck where, wrote this then? That'd just be when so it said, weird. you'll surely look Anybody down from else. heaven and say, let Coolidge be forgiven. Weird. No. No! <laughs> absolutely not! This is absolute nonsense. It's total, it's total nonsense. But, yes, thank you so much to Strange Maine for, like, there's a lot of really great documentation that they've done over the years, both between Michelle and then also um, his name is Christopher Dunham, who he also runs the uh, All Things Maine blog. But yeah, he's a distant cousin of Valorous P. Coolidge. Oh, wow. A distant so, cousin. So like he is doing the Lord's work in like document, like he's the first one that brought it up to Strange Maine and like really trying to document this and like dig around you know, there that this is that's the sort of prime um predominant source that I used was 
a lot of stuff that came out of the blog and out of the book. But it's bonkers. <laughs> it's very self-serving. Like, this whole thing, like... Your friend's about, he's about to give you the money. And I understand he was like, I don't want to pay it back. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, maybe don't. Don't uh, what? Just, just, don't. Just don't, man. <laughs> like, I don't know. Because I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure why he had so much debt. I don't know what medical school cost in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's like I can't take out student loans so I'm just gonna borrow money um or if he's just sort of like I want to live in the lap of luxury and make it look like I'm a super successful doctor like I mean I wouldn't be surprised if this guy was like really bluffing on a lot of his credentials you know it's like this sounds like kind of a grifter <laughs> a guy, little actually you know uh he's uh, you know my vibes are like um catch me if you can you know? Oh, have you ever seen the musical version of Catch Me If You Can? No, I haven't. We did it when I was in college. Oh, wow. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Recommend. Is it decent? Is it a it's good song? Good. Does it follow along with the story well enough? Yes, like, it's, it's discernible? It's very good. Sometimes, like, if you get a musical version of Why can't like, I remember show. his name, though? Oh, uh, what his actual name was? Yeah, I don't remember. It's fine. Catch Me If You Can, guy. Yep. Leonardo DiCaprio, guy. Yeah, that was it. Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. DiCaprio. But it, you're right. It does give me grifter vibes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's just an odd little story. And poor Eddie. <laughs> Very impressive that, like, there wasn't any idea of, like, how he also escaped, really. Yeah. It was just, like, he was replaced by I, a body. I assume that... Did they ever get must... to, like, who the fuck that guy was also? Did they identify, like... The person The that... dead guy? That was his body replacement? No. They never did that. No, they just buried it. What the f- In his grave. What the no, fuck? It's buried as Valorous P. Coolidge. Okay. No. Insane. So, right. they were, uh, who, whoever was in charge was just like, I don't believe the dad, I guess. <laughs> this makes it easier that we don't have to report a prisoner escaping. Yeah. And there's a part, like, it's very weird because who snuck, who snuck the... The acid. Regardless, somebody snuck him acid. Maybe that the, was the, the guy that snuck acid. him the acid. That's what I was thinking. Was like, is we get swip- murdered? <laughs> yeah, we swippy sloppied. I don't know because it's interesting because the warden was like going easy on him, but the warden also was the one that reported this new murder plot that was found out. So I don't know if he's just good at can like. And maybe that's that's sort of the sort of griftery aspect. I don't know if he's just so good at convincing people to do what he wants. How do you convince someone to die for you, though? Um. Well, I would imagine it would be someone who would want to die, right? Yeah. You know, someone who's probably just having a hard, real, really hard time. Uh, this is a dark conversation. <laughs> it's a, but it's a good. It's like it's weird. So I don't know. I don't. Do think... you believe that? I don't think it that... Was, you believe that it wasn't him. I believe... I, I believe that it wasn't him if, like, all this other st- bits of the story are true. Are true. Yep. Yeah. Um, what a nutty story, man. But you know what? As nutty as things go, it might not be as nutty as our next mainism. Hey, hey, it's a mainism. 
We are talking about probably the nuttiest of nutty places. It is Perry's Tropical Nut House. Now. I have so many questions. I will acknowledge that I'm not as impressed with new Perry's as old Perry's. So let's start with old Perry's. Old Tropical Nut House Perry's was a mostly touristy attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to like wear you down with all the stuff. It was like... You know, some a bit of it sold some goods, but it was known for its really weird decorations. Specifically, um, a good portion of the second floor of Perry's Nut House, just some store, um, was used for taxidermy and a wide range of taxidermy, <laughs> like what an albatross, uh, various coyotes, wolves, other critters. Now, what's funny about it is that this place looks kind of jank. Here, I'm going to pull up a couple pictures for you so you get a look at this. By the way, Perry's Nut House, Perry's Tropical Nut House is located in Belfast, Maine. Today, they're known for nuts, of course, so probably not the place for you. They also sell a lot of fudge. (laughs) It will kill me. (laughs) Hold on, I'm going to pull a picture real quick. I'm, I have so many questions. Where is this again? Belfast. Belfast. <laughs> I don't. I just want to know. They were just Who? like the the owner just would lean into trying to be like a curios shop or just like okay, a weird yeah. wacky store. Uh, so a lot of taxidermy. They had funhouse mirrors, like hidden mirrors as well. So I guess it it's was like, kind of like a family attraction. So in tropical a lot of nut ways. house. They are not necessarily saying it's like physical nuts. It's also like weird right. and wacky things. Yeah, hold on. Let me. Uh... You found a good picture. We got a an elephant, a statue of an elephant, in front of the Perry's st- okay. tropical nut house. I don't want to buy these. But... <laughs> are they like do you want to buy these postcards right elephant elephants, elephants love nuts standards more elephants moccasins they're known for their elephant theme give me the inside you fools you cowards they don't want to show, show me the, the good stuff so this is still a thing huh it still not exists quite but the it's same. not as amazing i mean yes they still have an albatross oh also they did previously have like a bison that was they say shot by teddy roosevelt himself they just somehow were able to acquire their little hands on that. <laughs> How much did that cost? Uh, we got I a... Uh, there's this. Is that a fucking mummy? It kind of looks like a mummy. It might be a mummy. That's probably fake. We got a... Some sort of monkey. This is looking more and more like the cryptozoology oh, museum. Here's a uh, here's that second floor uh, full of those taxidermy animals, pretty worse for wear, and all just kind of cluttered about in a random assortment. Bit, in a random assortment, not really even going for any sort of theming here. Just gonna throw yeah. all of them in this. Unlike Cab- like Cabela's does it like it's it's a scene. That's the lower lower portion you can see they're selling nuts all over the place that was back in like the 40s it looks like what the fuck is this place <laughs> you it know was a big tourist buy yourself attraction. some nuts and some fudge and go sit next to the taxidermy animals and just have a good time talk to the mummy why don't you <laughs> 
Wow. So uh, I think it's um, more focused to try to just sell a general assortment of things. It's probably leaning into being more of a convenience store now. But hey, if you're up in Belfast, Maine, and you really have nothing else to do, go ahead and look at a mummy in a case uh, under the candy counter. <laughs> Could I have a little, some of the uh, red vines that are near the hand? No. <laughs> I don't think you want that. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Thank you again for listening. Uh, you can always reach out to us at our Gmail, which is homegrownhorrorpod at gmail.com or on Instagram at homegrownhorrorpod. We love conversations. Let us know what you think. And have you ever been to Perry's Nuthouse? Is it Tropical Nuthouse. Is it good? Should we go? What kind of nuts do they have? All of them? Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>